0: Good morning. Love this church. Love this group of people. Thank you for worship team for singing Blessed Assurance. Fanny Crosby. Amazing. Do you know that she wrote so many hymns that she actually used a pseudonym because they didn't want too many Fanny Crosby songs in the hymnals. That's on Wikipedia. For some strange reason, I was taking a look at Fanny Crosby. Didn't make it in my regular notes, but since we sang Blessed Assurance, I thought I'd say something about Fanny Crosby. She's blind. I first discovered when she was six months, or at least her parents believed that it was her doctor who was treating an eye infection had caused her blindness she had every reason to be bitter and angry she's totally the opposite you know what she said about her blindness she said it was the blessed providence of God that I should be blind all my life I'm like wait what and she says, "I thank him for that dispensation." Yeah, an amazing, amazing person. She says she goes on. She says, "If earthly sight was offered me tomorrow, I'd say no." Why? Wouldn't you want to see see again? I mean, I would. She says, "I would not accept it, even if somebody could give me my sight tomorrow." She says because. Otherwise I might not have sung all these hymns of praise to God if I'd been distracted by all the beautiful and interesting things around me. (laughs) She says if I had a choice the first thing that she would want to see and is looking forward to is seeing Jesus' face. Blessed assurance. Thank you Fanny Crosby. Thank you for singing that. And pr- that prayer, Ron, beautiful prayer, beautiful prayer. I'd like to ask one specific prayer, if we could, a prayer for wisdom. Because we're going to meditate, to educate, so we can get it straight. All right, mate? Oh, that's a little corny. We better get serious here, right? Let's bow our heads. Lord, wisdom, wisdom. You promised wisdom. And uh, a wisdom that the little kids can understand, but is as deep and wide as your love. Thank you for answering this prayer. Amen. So we're going to go straight into the first book of the Bible. Let's open our Bibles to the first book of the Bible. First book of the Bible. What book are we in? I I heard somebody say Genesis. No, I'm in Job. Well, I'm just looking. Okay, this is a... These are scholarly people that put this Bible together. It's the Andrew Study Bible. And it says in here that tradition says that this book was written by Moses and it was written before the five books of the Pentateuch. So um, this probably is the first book of the Bible, although it wasn't listed in there until later translation came along, the translation into Syriac. This is just things that the scholars tell me. First book of the Bible anyway. Let's just take that premise. First book of the Bible, first chapter, first story, Job six. I mean, if you were God and you were going to have something really important to say, would you want to say it first? So we're going to look at this story as if it's the most important story that God needs to tell. First, uh, Job chapter 1, verses 6 and 7. I need somebody with real courage to stand up and read this text aloud. Is there anybody with that much courage here this morning? What you're gonna? Oh, thank you, Linda. I thought I was gonna be the only one too scared to speak. Yes. No, I want you to do, do a Linda. Sorry. just those verses, just those verses, 6 and 7, thank you, okay, this is called 7 and sit, 7 key points, and I sit down, 7 and sit, all right, we're going to take a look at these two verses, and we're going to take 7 points out of them, and we're going to meditate to educate, all right, uh, first of all this is some sort of gathering right is it here on this planet or is it there heavenly must be the heavenly conference is it a worship session usually you just sit and listen to the pastor talk I'm going to be asking questions You you can have somebody else give you the answers later. Is it a worship session? Doesn't sound like one. I mean, there's an enemy. There's a bad guy in that session. So it sounds more like a tense, hmm, some sort of tense meeting. And there's a problem and the opposition seems to have the floor and it doesn't seem to be happening here Um, let's let's take a look at the three main players in this passage who are the three main players you got the Lord does seem to have the authority right he's the one who says you can do this you can do that Everybody's gathered around him. He's the boss. He's the charge. He's the CEO of the universe. Then you have the opposition. There's somebody there who's claiming to be the boss of this planet. And he's making some pretty serious accusations. You know what? That Job, (laughs) you say he's a good guy. You know what? You take away the gravy train from him and he will show you his true side. He is a bitter angry man and that's who he is. And he's that way because everybody's that way who knows you the way I know you. That's the adversary saying. That's a lie. I mean, that's not true. That is a lie. Now, there's this third group. Who's the third group? Sons of God. You know, I really respect these scholars, and in my commentary it does say it's a divine assembly of angels. But the problem I got with that is it doesn't say there's angels. It says they're sons of God. What do you think? Who are the sons of God? Well, you know, don't take it from Steve. Let's see what the Bible has to say about it, okay? Let's take a look at Romans. We'll take a look at Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Are you going to look along with me in the Bible? Or maybe write it down and read it later. Romans 8 particularly verse 16, Romans 8, 16. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. The Spirit testifies. Those who are led by the Spirit are God's kids. They're God's sons and daughters. We're children of the King. We're Jeff Bezos' kids with access to his rockets so that we can go to heaven. Oh, sorry, Jeff. You know what? You didn't quite make it. You said it would change you, and you did come off that spaceship with a cowboy hat on, so you must be a space cowboy. You saw all this this week, right? It all happened this week, yeah. Yeah. Oh, you're gonna, you'll have to take a look at it on YouTube. Jeff Bezos, reaching for heaven, falls a little short. But he says, everybody who's done this has changed their life. He got off that spaceship, he had a cowboy hat on, changed his life. I was like, Jeff, come on. Have you been to our church? We've been reaching for the stars. We've been reaching for heaven for years now, and it's changed our life. those led by the Spirit are changed. They're they're like, behave the way God behaves. They've got certain entitlements. So these beings at this heavenly conference in Job, these intelligent creatures, you know, they may have been angels, probably angels. Sounds like some created beings, I mean we're created beings we're humans and we're called the sons of God Um, wasn't it Jesus in John 12 that said believe in the light so that you can be sons of the light who dwells in unapproachable light, 1st Timothy, God alone dwells in unapproachable light, we're children of the light, we're sons of God that's who's there now what can we say about those created beings in this conference what what can you say definitely about them absolutely from the story they're free they are free they're free to speak their mind they're free to enter into the presence of the, the ultimate authority and power of the universe. They're free to go to Him, and they're free to say what's on their mind, even if it's a lie, even if they're wrong. They can still speak up. They are free. And this tense confrontation that's occurring, these sons of God are there saying, wait a second this adversary, this opposition just suggested that God is not plain fair they don't know the enemy they don't know the adversary the way the all knowing one knows what does God know about his enemy at that point what does God know He knows what Jesus said. He's a liar and a killer from the beginning. He's a stone-cold killer. Do the sons of God know that? Do they know that adversary, that one who's lying? Do they know he's lying? Well, they're suspected. I mean, he was kicked out of heaven. But God doesn't just respond. He doesn't come back and say, no, you're the liar. No, he's the, you're the liar. No, you're the liar. This happened this week in Washington between a senator and a government official. And they were like, you're the liar. No, you're the liar. You don't know what you're talking about. It doesn't, it doesn't degenerate into that kind of situation you know, I don't, I'm don't. i looking in this Job chapter 1. I don't see a rebuke from God. I don't hear Him say, no, you're wrong. Sit down. Be quiet. I, I don't hear that. You know, this understanding is very critical. I'm going to... I know this is not confessional. I know we're not in that kind of a religious institution. But... Uh, I'm going to tell you, I used to play a lot of basketball for some strange reason. (laughs) I had a rule, a very simple rule. First, give 110%. The second was, you start trouble with a teammate and I'll finish it. I say that to my shame. I didn't understand. I'd gone to church all my life. I'd heard, all you know, God is love. I'd heard all these things. It wasn't here. It wasn't here. It was righteous indignation. I thought, hey, I'm setting things right. I'm just doing what's right. No. I'm making it worse. That is such a hard habit to break. That is so hard. And you see it among highly competitive people, high performing people. You see it in people that drive themselves hard. They drive themselves to exhaustion and they drive everybody around them nuts. Okay, confessional's over. Hi Gladys. Hi. This is my daughter Kelly. Hi, Kelly. Awesome. I'm really glad you're here. Kelly, is this your first time? No. Okay. A nice hat, too. (laughs) We're talking about Job. We're talking about that meeting in heaven. Job chapter 1. It's God, sons of God, and an adversary. So that's point number one that I wanna make. This is point number one. God doesn't answer with anything other than evidence. Okay, you say Job is really hates me. Deep down. All right. Job. I need you for this one. Job, I gotta ask you one thing. This is gonna hurt. Are you up to it? Of course, that's just a fanciful way. God knows that Job is up to it. God knows Job is a good friend. But, Job, this is going to hurt. That's the cost. That's the cost of showing this adversary in that conference is a liar. And he's always been a liar, he's a killer. In fact, you could get from the story that God knows he's a killer because he's a defender too. He's like, okay, all right, we're going to see about Job. We're going to have some evidence. He's going to testify for me, but don't touch him. I know what you'll do with Job. Sons of God may not know, but God knows how bad this character really is that's a defender he's like don't touch Job you back off of him of course that's used against Job later oh yeah you won't let me touch Job okay Job I got a second request for you this is going to hurt even worse and we see how bad this enemy this adversary is so here's point number two The evidence that God provides that Job, through Job, and through Job's suffering, the evidence that God provides to show that this guy is a liar, the adversary in this meeting, who's it for? Is it for Job? No. He doesn't really seem to know. Is it for humanity? Well, maybe later, but who's it for at that time? Sons of God. Wait a second. Are the sons of God sinful or unfallen, righteous, loyal, created beings? Unfallen. So you're saying that Job had to pay the price to vindicate God. You're saying that Job had to pay the price to vindicate God so that the unfallen beings would be secure in their knowledge that God is telling the truth and Satan's a liar. Of course, it's not just Job that suffered. God's not going to leave Job. It's like, Job, you want suffering. You hang around. You'll see what happens to me when I come with the infinite humbling and face the anger and bitterness and violence of this planet myself so that I can show like you did that that adversary, that enemy is a liar from the beginning he's always been lying is that actually biblical that Jesus would die to save unfallen beings. Jerry says yes, so that's good. For the rest of you who might uh, not know what Jerry knows, I'm sure Jerry's thinking of Colossians 120, first chapter of Colossians, first chapter of Ephesians. Jesus himself saying, "When I be lifted up, I will draw all to me." It's not just humans. It's amazing. Jesus would die for even the unfallen beings, primarily. When Jesus was on the cross, he says, It is finished. The war is won. There's a victory celebration in heaven. How many on this earth got it? Understood that the adversary had been shown completely to be a liar and a murderer, just like God said he was? Well, they got it upstairs. The unfallen beings were now secure. They understood completely. We got a ways to go. We've been working on this for 2,000 years on this planet. Lord, give us wisdom to understand the meaning of your sacrifice and what you did for us. How much it cost, how much suffering it cost to show that this enemy is a stone cold liar and killer. So that brings us to point number three God is humble. God is humble. That's too simple. That, Steve, any, that's, that's like too simple. Okay, that shouldn't even be a point. That was like, God is humble. That's like saying the water is wet. Well, I'm thinking that there's a lot of people that don't see God as humble. They are, okay, I'm, I'm one of those guys. That righteous indignation I was telling you about, playing basketball, that's, there's no humility in that. I'm the biggest, baddest guy on the court, and, you know, I'm going to make you pay. That's not humble. God God had this enemy right in his home telling his own kids lies that was breaking up the kingdom and he lets him speak. He's transparent. God is transparent. He lets the evidence be played out. I mean, who is this God? Extraordinary. I love this about God. I love this about God. He listens to the complaints. He doesn't slap you, slap you down if you're out of line. He's lifting us up saying, hey, all right, let's work through this. Job, it's going to hurt, but we're going to work through this. we got a big issue on our hands. we got a big problem. Um... Point number four, if God is humble, that means that he never abuses his authority. Okay, let me try and explain this. He's got all the authority in the world. Clearly, in Job 1, he has all the authority. He is the boss. But he doesn't abuse it. What do we call a person with authority who abuses that authority? Dictator, tyrant. Uh, We have a a longer word that has been rattling around my brain for a long time now. It's authoritarian. Somebody who abuses their authority. Um, God is patient. Patient. And gentle, even in dealing with this crisis, he doesn't abuse, he never abuses his authority. Well, I'm, I'm looking at my own life and I'm wondering, how did I miss that? You know, I was going to church every week like my parents expected me to. I was doing, you know, the things that I needed to do to get through the process so I could be what I wanted to be and that was be a doctor anesthesiologist in Templeton I was doing all the right buttons but there was something terribly wrong I just didn't Have what God has in my heart. You know, I was, um, I really needed some help for this message today. So I asked Victoria, hey, Victoria, what should I talk about? Victoria says, what did you say, Victoria? Victoria says, after thinking a moment, God please help me that's what this message is that's a prayer that God hears it's a prayer that God hears that's a prayer we know he answers we know it because it cost so much suffering to provide the evidence to prove that he's always there for us. He'd rather die than abandon us. By the way, what else can we learn from Job 1 about God? Point number six, it takes raw courage to do what God did. Raw, unbridled courage. Well, wait a second, you think, hey, wait a second, he has all the power in the world. He doesn't need courage. If I had that much power, I wouldn't need to be afraid. Wait a second. It takes a lot of courage to let a bad guy into your house and lie about to your kids. Especially Especially, because freedom is at stake the cost is so high if a mistake is made it takes courage to come to this earth in human form and face all the scorn and the violence and the bitterness and the anger that this world can throw at you and stand loyal and true to God that takes courage um I want to read something. Maybe you can read it with me. Romans three, four. Romans three, four. God is trustworthy. Even if every human being is a liar and a fraud, I'm reading from the Remedy Bible. It's kind of a paraphrased version. So um, it's an expanded version. As you read it through your Bible, see if the words fit. And every, even if every human being is a liar and a fraud, we're on a planet run by that adversary, adversary who can you trust on this planet? There is somebody we can trust. God is proven to be true, reliable, humble, gentle. As it is written, God, may you be proved right and true in the hearts and minds of your intelligent creatures when you present yourself openly for their judgment. we're in the heavenly almost like a courtroom heavenly conference room god's been accused it's a lie but he's been accused the sons of god are loyal to god but there's some issues raised they need answered who's being judged here in this situation in job 1 God has opened himself up to be judged. Romans 3, 4. When you present yourself openly for their judgment, those sons of God. That's a leader unlike anything we see on this planet. It seems like our leaders are want to silence their opposition. They want to keep the opposition stuffed away. They don't want... There are bad deeds out in the news. And finally, the point I wanted, uh, last point I want to make is that this distortion in this courtroom that's occurring, this distortion of the truth, God's being accused. It's false. It's a distortion of the truth. It's um, uh, suggesting that God is not who He claims to be. This distortion of reality is the tactic that's being used. God answers it by providing evidence, providing the truth, showing the truth of who He really is, and brings... The sons of God back to reality through revealing the truth, revealing the evidence. This happens in our lives all the time. We tell ourselves lies. I'm no good. I'm a failure. I really messed that up. I'm fat. Lies We tell ourselves lies and the only way to fix those lies is to write them down and burn them and get rid of them and replace them with truth. I am a child of the King. I am the son of the CEO of the universe. I am a daughter of the most high authority. And that creator is leaning down to hear, hey, hey, I heard something. Victoria, I heard you call for help. What can I do? What can I do? Okay, I'll send some help right now. Yeah. The truth will set us free. We're trapped in this tsunami wave oh. of lies that gets circulated on this planet. Okay. I'll give you one other example. This one is thrown at us every day. Uh, There is an authority in this country, on this planet, covers all the nations. There is an authority that claims to be absolute and the pinnacle of wisdom, and that's science. What does science tell us? The authority of science tells us there is no God, you're a bump on, the ro- uh, on a rock hurtling through space, there is no free choice, you're a prisoner of your genetic information. That authority that science has by an intention to discover truth is abused. It's like, oh, you don't believe this? It's because you're dumb, you're uneducated. You don't get tenure at the universities unless you say what we say. That's actually an authoritarian approach to teaching something. I might as well go one step further with this. Evolution, which denies God's love and care for this planet, should be taught to us. You should know what evolution teaches. If you did, you know how weak it is. But the problem is, is that authoritarians teach it. And they say, if you don't believe this, it's because you don't know what you're talking about. And that's the tactic that is used. Somebody who teaches evolution with the attitude of, you don't believe this, you're wrong, you're stupid, and you don't deserve tenure at a university, that's the person who's the problem. The theory itself is so weak, it can't stand up to the light, it can't stand up to the data, it can't stand up to the evidence. Well... I was just trying to illustrate how authority can be abused real-time, even today, even now. You know, what I have uh, attempted to talk about today is actually a summary of Psalms, Psalms 116. I want to close. If, if you look at me with Psalms 116, I'm going to close on that. Psalms 116. I love the Lord. Well, we were reading this last Thursday at our Bible study class. I asked Tyler Kirk to read it. I love that guy. Tyler reads it. I love the Lord. It's was like, no, stop. Tyler, say it again. Say it like you mean it. I love the Lord. No, no, Tyler, come on. Like you mean, I love the Lord. Because he listens to me. He hears my calls for help. I love the Lord. I love that about the Lord. Because he pays attention to what I say. I will pray to him as long as I live. This is a lifetime deal. Too good to give up. Verse 3 I was caught in the snares of death, I was trapped by the terrors of the grave. All I experienced was suffering and grief. Then I cried out to the Lord. Lord, please help me. There it is. It's right here, Victoria. (laughs) Psalms 116. What's the answer? The Lord is so kind, so good, so compassionate. Fill your mind with that thought. All the other, just push it away. You can choose. You can decide. The Lord takes care of those who are powerless and weak. You know, Hitler was an authority. What did he do with the vulnerable? God is an authority and he defends the vulnerable. The powerless. God takes care of those who are powerless. When I was brought down, he lifted me right back up. He saved me. Verse 7, I can once again be at peace because the Lord has been good to me. That's a Sabbath rest right there. Sabbath is not about not working, Sabbath is about resting and being at peace right here. Verse 8, for you have saved me from dying. My eyes, you wipe the tears from my eyes and my feet from stumbling. I made a mistake, but I got up, and I'm never going to make that mistake again. You're going to keep me from stumbling. Now I can walk with the Lord in the land of the living. Hey, things are starting to look on the upgrade. This, the writer of this passage, he was pretty low, but he's coming back up. I trusted in you, so I told you. I'm suffering terribly. I was so upset it just felt like everybody was a liar. Verse 12. What can I give the Lord in return for all He's done for me? Well, I'll lift up the cup of salvation and worship the Lord. Remember that cup in Revelation? Take a drink from that cup. It's good. Cup of salvation. Drink in God's goodness drink in his humble unselfish care for you for you verse 14 so I will keep my promises to the Lord so everyone can see and then look at verse 15 Wow it hurts the Lord when those who trusted him die? This is Jonathan Gallagher's translation, but I love this way of translating. It hurts the Lord when His faithful ones pass away. Nadine and I talked about this in the first service. We love John. Everybody loved John. It hurts. No matter it it's. <laughs> It hurts God to lose someone like that. I told Nadine, I said, hey, Nadine, as bad as it was, as painful it was to lose John, I can think of one thing that's would be worse. That's losing you too. Verse 16, Lord, I'm really just your slave, serving you like my mother served you. But you have set me free. The truth about God does set us free. I will offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving to you. I'm going to worship you. I'm going to keep my promises so everyone can see right here in the house of the Lord, right here in Templeton, California. Praise the Lord. Amen. Dear Lord, I thank you for this book of Job. I thank you that you had a friend who was willing to go through anything and yet remain loyal to you. What a crushing defeat that was for the enemy. What a crushing defeat for God's opposition! You showed, Job showed, and Lord, you showed the true character and nature of our Heavenly Father who loves us and cares for us, who leans forward to listen to the prayers of his people. What a privilege it is to be called the sons and daughters of the Most High, the Creator. What a privilege that is. Help us to live that kind of life, Lord. Help us to have it in our heart so that nobody's telling us what to do. We're just doing what we love doing, and that is being like you. What a price. What a price you paid. Please don't let it be in vain. In Jesus' name, amen.